You are listening to the award-winning The Young Jerks with Mike Crawford. Welcome. We're live. Mike Crawford, The Young Jerks. We've got a big show tonight. She's already here. She's been here for a while. She's well, she's very prepared. Massachusetts Cannabis Control Commission Chair Shannon O'Brien. I decided to start the show early because she's here right now. But before we bring her up, I wanted just to uh, recognize all of the good things that are happening for workers right now. So many things. Uh, lots of new stories. Boston Globe just did a story. Lorna McMurray. Mass Kasha. I want to give them a huge shout out. The uh, Mass Council of Occupational Safety and Health. That nonprofit, they're doing great work. There was a rally this week with AFL-CIO and Lorna McMurray's mom spoke. Uh, Danny Carson was there. We've got so much going on uh, right now. I just want to uh, tell the workers to keep doing what you're doing because it's definitely being noticed. Uh, we're also on the cover of The Nation magazine. That's just new too. So, so much is happening. I want to bring up our guest right now. This is another big thing. We got our award show coming up on Sunday. Like so much news we can be covering, but this is the the number one story right now. Massachusetts Cannabis Control Commissioner, uh, the chair, Shannon O'Brien, about to bring her up on the show. First time ever on our show. Uh, it's an honor to me to have her on the show. She was a state rep, I believe, maybe state senator. She was a, she was a legislator for a number of years in uh, the Massachusetts State House became the Massachusetts state treasurer. And now she's our cannabis control commissioner. She was the first one I noticed uh, to really talk to us off the record. And then, you know, publicly at a cannabis control commission hearing about Lorna McMurray. Uh, I'm definitely, you know, I hope people don't get mad at me tonight uh, for being a, too much of a fanboy Cause I know I'm supposed to ask the tough questions. We will ask questions. Uh, you're here too. You can weigh in. And ask those tough questions. 978-560-3155. It's my honor. Massachusetts Cannabis Control Commissioner, Chair Shannon O'Brien. Welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm I'm really happy because you're here tonight. Well, let the record reflect that I did reach out to you very early in my tenure uh, because I, I have been on a listening tour. I've been trying to reach out to people uh, who understand a, a broad range of issues that are, you know, facing me in my new job. You know, some people know that um, briefly, you know, I was a cannabis licensee, you know, working on a, a cultivation or to set up a, a cultivation facility out in Western Mass. Uh, but my real background, you know, is in regulation, is in, um, you know, being running, you know, large complex organizations. I ran the Girl Scouts. You never mentioned that, you know, uh, obviously cannabis and cookies, although the Girl Scouts organization uh, gets very upset if you uh, infringe on their trademark. Uh, but uh, cookies and cannabis in a number of different instances have gone together very well. So um, I, I appreciated the insights that you shared with me. And frankly, um, I'm, I'm assuming that some of the people listening in here today may have been uh, some of the folks that I uh, asked questions when I first started this position. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, how many, did you sell a lot of Girl Scout cookies? Uh, when I was, when I was a kid, I mean, that was when you used to be able to knock on doors and you know, that, that experience, I don't know if how many cookies I sold, but it was good training for when I, I, I was both a state rep and a state Senator and, you know, would knock on thousands of doors uh, in a, in a campaign, but at the Patriots trail Girl Scout. And now that that's merged with Eastern mass, um, we sold, uh, $4 million worth of cookies, uh, in the first, uh, four months of the year. So, uh, uh, I think the Thin Mints in March and April are the most popular cookie, uh, in the entire United States. So, uh, I sold a lot of cookies, uh, not so much when I was an individual Girl Scout, but sold a lot more when I was uh, the CEO of the Patriots Trail Girl Scout Council in Boston. Uh, we always buy those cookies. I love mm -hmm. them. Thin Mints, definitely. And yeah, the so many good ones. Small. I'm a caramel delight fan myself. Oh, I love those too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, give me uh, two of every one you have there. 
I once uh, said, uh, we once had a, uh, we need to t keep the issue at hand, but um, if you know Stacy's Pita Chips, uh, and we awarded um, Stacy, uh, you know, a woman of, one of the Women of the Year awards, and and she was talking about healthy eating, and, you know, she said, uh, I, I only learned today that an entire sleeve is not a portion uh, size of Girl Scout cookies, so, uh, so we had some fun with that. I go, I thought it was too, so I had a lot of fun running the Girl Scouts, and frankly, and sort of to bring it back to cannabis, um, it was one of the experiences that I had uh, that I think relates to my new job. Um, one of the one of the most important successes that I had uh, when I was the CEO of the Patriots Trail Girl Scouts in Boston um, was focusing on girls in inner city, uh, young girls of color, you know, young girls living in, you know, um, sort of neighborhoods that were underserved. Uh, and in the three years that I was there, we increased our membership uh, in the so-called urban communities, Boston, Chelsea, uh, Revere, Quincy, uh, by 20%. And that was by reaching out to, we worked with Mayor Menino's administration, Michael Kenevy, uh, Robert Lewis Jr. Uh, at the Boston Center for Children and Families. And that's ultimately one of the things that really excited me um, when I was able to take on this job is how can we continue to improve, um, to reach out to, to those people who've been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs, and how can we get into the neighborhoods and living rooms and classrooms and, and get a chance to talk to people to make sure that they're taking advantage of the, the benefit and the bounty of the, the cannabis industry. I have a feeling we're going to have a lot of call. Maybe some, we already are getting calls. I'm not taking calls yet, folks, but we will be taking calls in a few minutes. 978-560-3155. Not yet. Good. Whoever was calling just heard that. Awesome. Probably my sister, but anyway. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's someone who's actually in the business. So okay. I want to take his call definitely in a second, but um, you know, we, we'll definitely talk about the applicate, you know, applicant issue and the, some of those other things. But I wanted to lead it with uh, the worker issue because that's what we've been covering for so long. And Lorna McMurray, again, is on everyone's mind mm. um, after the Ma Mass Kasha put out their report naming Trueleaf as the Dirty Dozen employer, their national organization, their local organization did a rally in front of the state statehouse. Um, there seems like there's a lot going on still with Trueleaf. Um, like, what do you think about this whole, like, worker health issue? And what is the Cannabis Control Commission doing about it? Sure. Um, and, and first of all, you know, again, you know, I and my fellow commissioners and the entire commission staff, you know, we certainly uh, continue to express our deepest condolences to, to Lorna McMurray's family, um, which may not know is Holyoke. Uh, that was my old Senate, state Senate district. So I, um, while I didn't know her family, um, you know, I know a lot of her friends and neighbors, uh, you know, in that community. And, you know, so that um, has a, you know, a double impact on on me, you know, making sure that, you know, my old district, um, you know, has the the, the protections that, that we can provide through the Cannabis Control Commission. Now, I, I, I want to be very cautious, and, and I think you know this, and I think you've you know, heard this from spokespersons before. Um, it is difficult for me to talk specifically about this investigation because it continues, you know, and this is one of the frustrations that I have, Mike. You know, I, you know I've always been an advocate. Um, I've always been someone who, you know, tries to make change. Uh, and, you know, that I, 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 I continue to play that role as a commissioner, but I'm also an adjudicator. So this is where the sort of sensitivity comes about me sort of getting too much uh, in depth, in detail with the ongoing investigation. But what I can say um, is that uh, this has been, you know, a significant priority for uh, the members of our, you know, investigative and, and licensing team. Um, one of the things that I did uh, was make sure that we we reached out, frankly, I reached out to, to Marty Walsh, the former labor commissioner, because this is an important issue in Massachusetts. You know, as most people know, uh, the Cannabis Commission sets standards that the licensees are supposed to live up to in terms of workplace environment and safety. But the problem is we're not the enforcers of those rules. That is OSHA. And one of the good things that has happened is that the Cannabis Commission and OSHA and frankly, the Department of Public Health have signed um, agreements to work together, are sharing even confidential information, again, which I can't 
repeat because that's part of the agreement working with OSHA. But the reason that I called, you know, former Labor Secretary Marty Walsh is, is I wanted to say this is an important issue here in Massachusetts. You know, we appreciate having the opportunity to work with OSHA uh, to, 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 to investigate this, to make sure that we're getting the right information. But I said to him, this is a national issue. You know, whether it's farm workers out in California, you know, or other, you know, folks working either in cultivation or, or manufacturing, we need to make sure that we understand, you know, is there in truth, you know, a heightened risk for cannabis dust? Is it just like regular dust? That has to be investigated, but we need to put in place, you know, systems and controls. And so from the commission's part, and, and you and I have, you know, off the record talked about this, but a couple of different things. One, I think that we need to be um, beefing up our, our responsible vendor training. I absolutely think that, uh, we have whistle, we require licensees to have whistleblower policies, but how are they communicated? You can have a written policy, but are you actually teaching that to your employees? As a matter of fact, when I was a state senator back in the 1990s, uh, Senator Paul White and I uh, passed one of the first whistleblower laws in Massachusetts. And so, you know, this is near and dear to my heart, but how do we communicate it? Because if you're a 19 year old young person, you know, and you're working, you know, in, in the cannabis industry, you know, that $19 an hour job, it's not that easy for you to just walk out. And so maybe blowing the whistle might be scary. So we, I think we need to improve that training for all employees. We need to make sure that we as a commission are making those communications into the commission as seamless as possible and as responsive as possible. So either our investigators can go in and investigate and or in conjunction with OSHA, make sure that they're going in to do their job. So it's a lot of layers and it's going to require a lot of work. Um, but but frankly, um, I really applaud the work that you've done, Mike, to, to highlight this issue and frankly, to, to light a fire under us to make sure that we're really focusing on it because it's important to me. It's important to my fellow commissioners. Uh, Commissioner Roy, you know, has been, uh, she's the one who reads all of the details uh, probably better than yours truly does, but make sure that those uh, policies include whistleblower and, and, and wor workplace safety. So there's a lot going on. We're not where I'd like to be, but I think we're making progress. There's um, the national. Uh, I, I, I actually I shouldn't even call it the national because I'm not even sure what it, the acronyms are. But I believe NIOSH. There's an organization called NIOSH that is like OSHA, but instead of enforcement, they're more of the scientific study of workplace issues. Mm -hmm. um, and Mass Kosh uh, has been talking about bringing NIOSH into some of the big agricultural dispensaries in Massachusetts. Um, is that something that the Cannabis Control Commission could kind of help, you know, like get them working here too? Because I feel like OSHA, you know, only has limited resources. And, and what we need is really that investigation that you mentioned, like the science of like what's actually going on. Right. And, and I think that there were some, you know, I heard things wrong when it, 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 the initial finding made it sound like they were going to allow TrueLeave um, to do some scientific uh, findings. And, and I spoke with some folks um, in Washington, you know, in the Labor Department, and they said, no, 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 that's not what's happening. That's not um, so, right? Yeah. So, so I do think that there does need to be more research here, you know, because there are many different things, you know, that could be at play here. Um, and we want to make sure that we, we have the right science, because if we can pinpoint exactly what happened here, but also look at the science for other people, um, you know, you, we, we can provide greater protections and mandate greater protections in, in workplace safety. So I do think that we need to, to do that. That's what I've been trying to do in this role. You know, I'm not, I can't get down into the statute and the granular regulations. And frankly, I don't know as much as probably most of the people who are watching this, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, this broadcast tonight. Uh, but what I do is I bring people together. I bring people and resources and people and people together to try to make solutions. So um, I'd be happy to continue that dialogue with those those folks and 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 see what what additional connections do we need to make to get some progress. I, I think that's amazing because um, we had a couple of meetings with Maskosh, mm -hmm. and they were suggesting the NIOSH. And then we found out Trulief was doing. We couldn't figure out how that happened, and now we're finding out it was it was you talking to them. You you were talking to the feds. It seems like right, and they. I, I will say, how, former former Secretary Marty Walsh was very responsive. Um, obviously, he's a Massachusetts guy, so you know he uh, reads these headlines as much as anybody, even though he was um, down in in D.C. Uh, and so he has raised this issue. 
Um, again, I don't know. I, I will give credit to our team on in Massachusetts and frankly, the local people in OSHA here uh, for, you know, setting a lot of that up. But I guess from my perspective, it's we've got to sort of hash out this this problem or this this case in Holyoke um, and, and make sure that the investigation can run its course. But this is a bigger um, than just, you know, the incident in Holyoke. It's it's across the country. Okay. And so what can and should OSHA be doing to research the safety issue to make sure that workers all across the country working in the cannabis industry um, are protected in, in the workplace? I'm, I'm always wondering if the like, Cannabis Control Commission can't even say to some of these industry players, because we've noticed like holistic industries had a big time mold problem. Mm. And it, you know, from my understanding, it was there longer than they say it was, but mm -hmm. at what, at, you know, regardless whether that's true or not, at a certain point, they owned up to it and they're trying to fix the issue, which yeah. I think is great. Um, like, I feel like there's a lot of places like that, that we know, because we hear from the employees are full of mold. Can I, can and I, and one of the things I'm going to, I, you know, this is a little bit of a curveball, but it, it's sort of on that. You know, I had a conversation uh, last week and I've talked to him a couple of times, Ralph Sacramoni, who, who runs is the director of the alcohol and, and beverage control commission. He directly reports to treasurer Goldberg, who was my appointing authority. I um, mean, I never had that when I was state treasurer, the alcohol and beverage uh, control commission did not come under my purview. So it's not anything that I bring any particular um, expertise. But one of the things that the alcohol and beverage control commission does uh, is they do regular trainings with licensees and, you know, they do 12. I mean, they obviously have significantly more, um, you know, uh, licensees that they um, oversee. But what he said to me is when they began implementing those trainings where they could answer questions and maybe, you know, proactively uh, help licensees grapple with questions, they actually saw their violations go down by 50 percent. And so we, you know, our, our folks on the investigations team are strapped. They are going all across the state. They're doing in-person investigations. They're tracking things down. They're researching. There's so much that they have to do. And frankly, I don't think we have enough people uh, in those roles. And right. I'm, I'm hoping that we can continue to um, hire and bring more people into that. But I do think that, and, and I have said this, you know, previously I've spoken in a number of different groups. I spoke to um, Dave O'Brien's, you know, um, business group uh, on a couple of occasions. Uh, and to quote, you know, Sean, uh, Collins, our executive director, I believe that our folks should be carrying a a a a a a, 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 a notepad and not a badge, um, and we need to be helping licensees live within the law. We need to be encouraging people to self-report uh, because, um, you know, ma making sure that if you do self-report uh, that that is looked upon favorably. So I just want to make sure that when okay. our investigators are going out, we're helping licensees solve their problems and not just coming down on them for violations. So I think taking a little bit of a different um, tact and approach and maybe implementing some new training sessions will make are, are investigators able to focus on the real infractions that they need to go after um, and, uh, you know, keep our workplaces safer and, you know, allow our licensees to, 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 to do their business in a, in a legal and safe way. We got a phone call. Um, I love that answer because that's what I was going for. Like, I, I would love to see more cooperation. So it's like they fix it themselves. And, and I think you were really good at this, Shannon. You think about a lot about this. We have a phone call. Let's take the phone call. This is from a friend of mine, Ed DeSousa, I believe. Is this you, Ed? What's up? Good evening, Mr. Crawford. Hello. You're you're on live. Good evening. The, Good evening. With with the cannabis chair. Hey Ed. Yes, I, I am. Uh, it up. I gotta excuse me, I gotta figure out how to turn it up here. I'm not really good at this stuff. Trying to hear that. Okay. Let me know if you guys can hear me. I can hear you now. Yeah. All right. Well, first of all, uh uh, Madam Chairwoman, Commissioner O'Brien, thank you very much for uh, taking the call, Mike. Thank you very much for facilitating this. Uh, as Mike said, my name is Ed D'Souza. Um, I am the owner of River Run Gardens, a micro business um, in Massachusetts for cultivation only. Um, I was actually going to be the first uh, micro business in the state, but was held up due to uh, some prohibitionists in my municipality. Um, I just first want to start off and say that I appreciate everything that you, the rest of the, uh, the commission and all the employees at the cannabis control commission, what they do. Um, I know my personal investigator, uh, Mr. Dan Hoover 
has been wonderful for me. I feel he's totally overworked, um, which you had just stated. Um, uh, I know you started off saying that when you first came aboard, you had a uh, kind of a listening um, exercise. Um, I would love to get some time with you, uh, not to inflate my ego here, but I have uh, done a lot for the regulations in this state, the small businesses, the workers, what Mike is uh, helping out right now. And I feel that uh, due to the connections I have, I have a more of an uh, ear to the ground than um, a lot of other people. And I don't hold punches. I don't hide things. Um, and, and you talk about uh, being over-reporting. You can ask Mr. Hoover. He probably regrets my emails because I let him know if my employees are you know, leaving or they're getting bonuses or this and that. Um, the meat of what I wanted to call about is some of the issues that small businesses like mine are facing with right now. And I understand that you cannot put a magic wand in the air and correct all the problems. Um, so I'm not going to take all of your time. But um, as a small business, uh, self-funded, uh, own all of the business, um, is very hard to operate out here. We see a uh, staggering uh, drop in the wholesale prices. We see other license types uh, doing things that we were told only cultivators and manufacturers would be able to do, such as pre-rolls, white labeling, um, and making money off of that stuff. But the biggest thing that uh, we have a problem with, um, nobody pays us. And we have no recourse of obtaining the value for the product that has been shipped to stores, sold, money floated, goes way past terms, and ultimately we're left with the choice to um, go to small claims court, spend more in legal fees than what the invoice actually was, or we have to eat it. And again, as a small company where uh, I've been operating for three years now, I will tell you in that three years, we maybe probably made about $70,000 profit. Mm -hmm. You know, we look at the uh, state and having, you know, made over $2.2 billion in this industry. It's not coming from the small tier cultivators. Right. It's coming from the big guys, the retail, but that's business. I understand that. The hard part is, this is a problem that has plagued Oregon, has plagued California, has plagued other states that they've actually gone in and made regulations that there are no terms. It's COD. And it's a matter of, you know, you are not a uh, small claims court. You're not a business court. You are here to make sure a product is uh, going out safe for the consumers in this uh, state. Um, but... It's the small operators who are staying true to our workers. And in fact, in my company, work is a dirty word. We're teammates. Um, I, uh, I feel that a lot of people look at me badly because I started the trend in paying people well beyond the $12, $15 an hour to work. We offer profit sharing as a small family-owned business. Um, as a matter of fact, my director of operations started off as a cultivator. Uh, we just offered him a 5% stake in the company. Wow, that's great. So, you know, where the, the small operators are, we're, we're keeping the integrity here. We're not remediating product, which I have been complaining about for the last three years. Mm -hmm. uh, we're making sure that, you know, we put in um, uh, checks and balances so that bad product doesn't go out. Employees, team members aren't breathing in uh, these molecules because the overdried, remediated product going into their lungs. Even using respirators will go through your lungs. Mm. Um, anyway, I don't want to dominate the show. I appreciate the time. I would love to be able to sit with you for 15 minutes sometime. Uh, Mike? Ed, Ed, uh, Ed what town are you in? Ed, what town I'm are you in? Newburyport. Newburyport. Okay. Uh, Newburyport. I haven't yeah. been up there yet, so um, maybe I can uh, put that in. And, I, you know, one of the things, again, it, it, you know, part of the listening, and I can't you know, there are 500 licensees, so I can't go to every single one. Uh, but all of the commissioners, Camargo, Concepcion, Stebbins, Roy, they all do, um, you know, uh, a lot of visits. As a matter of fact, I won't say which commissioner, but I got a phone call from somebody saying, hey, Commissioner so-and-so, they said they're going to come visit the licensee. Is everything okay? I go, oh, it's good news. They just want to meet him and say hello. And, you know, so all the commissioners are looking to kind of have their, as you say, have their ear to the ground and, and kind of hear what's going on. So, uh, Ed, I, you know, I'd be happy to uh, take a, a trot up to uh, 
uh, Newport, uh, Newburyport. I think that's where my old friend uh, Lisa Mead was the mayor for a few years. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd love was. to haven't been up there in a while. So I'd love to do that. Absolutely. I'll say I was one of my proudest things. You walk into my facility and you'll see that I had pretty much every member of the um, Massachusetts uh, uh, Joint Commission on Cannabis from uh, Sony Chang Diaz to uh, Diana Zaglio to you know, everybody visit my facility. I'm an open book. I love to show how, you know, if you have the passion, a small 5,000 square foot facility can actually make it work. So thank you very much. Very good. Thank you, Ed. Have a wonderful night. You too. Thank you, Ed D'Souza, River Run Gardens up in Newburyport, Massachusetts. I know all the restaurants up there. I used to be a waiter up there. As I said, Mayor Lisa Mead was my buddy up there. So I, yeah. I used to I used to go up there quite a bit, go to the Chamber of Commerce up there. Yeah, it's fun. Newburyport's great. And uh, Ed, Ed is a great guy. So I, I love that call. Thank you, Ed, for calling. Uh, if we, you know, if anyone else wants to call on 978-560-3155, there are some other things that you definitely, I know that you wanted to talk about tonight, uh, Chair Shannon O'Brien. I mean, like around there's an equity fund now. I, th I think that's uh, something of interest to talk about. Do you have thoughts on the way that's rolling out right now? Yeah, you know, we're five years in um, and, you know, the ideal situation because the big, the biggest issue that all cannabis applicants and licensees and businesses face is capital. Um, and having been, uh, I guess I call myself an unsuccessful uh, cannabis entrepreneur, uh, you know, trying to raise that money. I was a well-connected white woman, okay? And, and trying to raise money, you know, for a cultivation facility was a challenge. And so, you know, uh, it, it's particularly difficult, you know, for persons, you know, who may have been, you know, uh, arrested and, and, you know, convicted, you know, in the legacy market, you know, or, you know, black and brown and other, you know, minority, um, you know, entrepreneurs who'd like to get into the system with no, with with federal you know prohibition you can't just go to a bank you know if you were a really good baker and you made the most awesomest chocolate chip cookies and maybe you got a hundred grand from your friends and family you'd go down to the local bank and say i'm really good here's my business plan i know that i can make this work that's not an option for people and so you know larger you know businesses multi-state um, operators you know were able to come in here early uh, and we have a mission to support uh, equity applicants and to you know redress the problems of the the war on drugs and so I think that after five years you know one of the one of the words that I've a couple of words that I like to use kindness um, I think that we need to make sure that you know whether it's you know with the stakeholders that we're dealing with you know making sure that we act with kindness inside the team that we work that way but impact, um, is the other word uh, that I like to use. And I want to make sure, I think that we've done a great job running a number of programs, providing sort of business training and education, whether you're on the licensure track or, you know, maybe an ancillary service. But right now, five years in, that door is closing. It's closing for a lot of people. You know, as Ed mentioned, the price of cannabis is going down. I know that when I, uh, we were putting together, you know, our business plan, it was $4,000 a pound. Now it's, you know, a lot less than that. So, so anyway, making sure that we have impact. So one of the things that I've been doing, again, connecting people and ideas and resources, you know, I've been talking to the folks um, at the, the new social equity fund uh, and they're, you know, and it's going to take a while, you know, if that fund were in place five years ago, you know, maybe we we would have had a little bit more success, you know, of 800, 900 people who've gone through the, the social equity program, you know, less than 50, um, you know, have gotten their commence operations. So I think we need to be very mindful right now um, of how we take a look at uh, those, you know, that cohort of people there right now are approximately 400 persons, you know, in that cohort who have provisional licenses. I think we need to target our, 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 you know, train our eye on those, you know, persons that have been able to demonstrate, they've been able to get a, a provisional license, but, you know, they're not moving forward. How do we take the social equity fund uh, and make sure that it goes to, you know, those entrepreneurs who can spend it well and make things work? How can we retool any of our training and programs to help those people get the sort of skills they need? But I've been doing some other work on the outside. I've been talking to, uh, there's a highly regarded uh, group called Get Connected. Uh, and some of the you know people involved in that, a woman named Colette Phillips, former Lieutenant Governor Evelyn Murphy, who was a friend of mine, Jay Gonzalez, who ran for governor a few years back. And so what Get Connected does is they focus on providing grants, $10,000 grants uh, for black and brown entrepreneurs. 
and they provide them with free legal advice. You know, so my thinking is, you know, and then there's another group, Betty Francisco works also, you know, with entrepreneurs of color. So how do we, you know, leverage some of those resources out there that help small entrepreneurs, maybe helping them with a small grant, maybe helping them with getting free legal advice to kind of move to that next level and then connect them with, you know, both our training um, at the Cannabis Control Commission. Uh, and then, you know, how do we um, coordinate with the Social Equity Fund? So I'm actually meeting um, with a couple of folks who, who sit on uh, that new fund as advisors. I've been talking to the folks in the at the, in the Economic um, Affairs uh, Secretariat. Uh, Sean Collins actually did a great tutorial, uh, both for the staff uh, in the Economic Affairs Office, because they give away grants all the time, loans and grants, but they really don't know this industry. Uh, and we, he also did a tutorial for the new... Um, uh, the new uh, advisory group to just make sure that they understand, you know, sort of some of the things that that, that could impact how they distribute those funds. It's going to take a while, though. And, and, you know, there were a couple of people who were on the call saying, I'm ready to get my money. You don't give away money, the state's money, that quickly and that easily. So there's going to be a ramp up time. But we at the commission are trying to do what we can to coordinate and collaborate with them to leverage additional resources for, um, you know, those entrepreneurs or would-be entrepreneurs and make sure that we have impact. You know, my personal goal, this isn't the rest of my commissioners, you know, but we have approximately, you know, 50 um, social equity, economic empowerment, um, you know, commence operation. You know, my goal is within 18 months, um, you know, 20 to 25 people who actually get to commence operation. And um, I don't know if that's a doable goal. I hope it is. It should be. Um, but that's what I think we need to do. Set real goals, not just running people through programs, but how do we get them to licensure? And if it's not licensure, I also had some communication with um, the the, the uh, head of Bunker Hill Community College. We were talking and, and a mutual friend of ours, Mike, uh, is an organic you know, cannabis farmer. And what he tells me is, I don't really grow good weed I know how to enrich soil that ends up making good weed. Well, that good soil could not only grow good weed, it could grow really expensive strawberries, or it maybe could allow someone to be, you know, an organic, you know, run an organic lawn business. So maybe even partnering with some of those community colleges to trade train people in those skills that could leverage, you know, their opportunity to work in the cannabis industry or maybe work outside of the cannabis industry, but take advantage of the support that the Cannabis Commission um, provides to them uh, to be able to, to find some economic empowerment for them and their families. We got another call. Um, do you want to, let's take the call. See so who's on Doing the whatever. I'm just talking yeah. until you tell me to stop. Yeah, we're ready. Who, who's on the, are you, can you hear us? Who's on the phone? Yes, I can. David Rubinovich. Ah. Hey, David, how you doing? I'm doing well, Mike. And uh, Commissioner, I think this is a, um, a, a, I, I applaud you for appearing on the show and, 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 and actually taking calls where you don't know what people are going to ask you. Um, I, I think some of your comments about like the Social Equity Fund and, and trying to get more people licensed, is, I think another thing to take a look at, and that's how difficult it is to get through the licensing process. Things like, and I'll give you a great example. Very few of the people I've run into actually write their own SOPs. So they immediately turn to an attorney and that cost them like 10 grand. If anybody who's, who, I serve on a town board and I've been, and I'm going through the, the state ethics training process right now. Online program, it goes through everything about the law. I don't understand why the commission couldn't take a similar approach and instead of saying you gotta provide us with the SOPs, hire a company to put together an online training program that goes through all the regulations and then once they pass that course, they have the SOPs. Yeah. Because when when the the operators are turning to an attorney or an advisor or a consultant to write the SOPs, doesn't do any good for anybody other than the person who's getting paid to put the SOPs together. It's not like the operators know those SOPs inside out and completely understand the regulations. You're paying ten grand to somebody to put it together for them. And for those who are going through the state social equity fund, they're going to be using state funds to pay people about 10 grand and you're not getting the outcome you want. And I think there's just an easier way to do that. That could cut all the cost. In the Can I tell you, I, David, I agree with you. And, and this is one, one of the things that, that when, you know, we're asking people to put together SOPs and different, you know, I, I my, and, and I, and I don't always, um, I'm not always in, in sync, um, you know, with my fellow commissioners on this issue, but I, but I go, I hate creativity, you know, because creativity costs money. You know, we want to make sure that we have 
um, you know, responses that fit the business, that fit the community uh, that that business is serving. Um, but there's a certain, you know, level of, um, you know, sameness uh, that goes in, in in most of these, you know, policies and procedures. So I actually agree with you. And that's one of the things that, um, you know, I'm thinking that, you uh, you know, we could be working on with one of these outside groups is, you know, can they work to maybe provide some templates and some models? I mean, I know when I was going through this myself, I'm, I'm a recovering attorney, okay? And when I remembered when I was an attorney, you never wrote anything from scratch. You always had something. I worked in a large law firm. You always had some sort of a, a library of documents that you could take and, um, you know, and improve upon. You know, I believe that there are, there is some of that training, you know, for people within um, the programs that we have. But I do think that we could better systematize this to make it easier. Again, Reducing those barriers to entry, um, I think, is important for all of our applicants, but in particular for our social equity applicants. So, you know, I'm, I'm in agreement with you on that, David. And, um, you know, there's a there's sort of a lot of different fields um, we could be hitting to. But 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 that is um, that is one of the things that I would like to see is how do we lower the barriers to both entry, but also compliance without um, you know, uh, not without without um, compromising health or safety. So I appreciate the comment. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, David. We're the Young Jerks. We're with uh, Chairwoman uh, Shannon O'Brien, the Massachusetts Cannabis Control Commission Chair. Um, I got a couple questions for you too. Like, man, mm -hmm. I got maybe speed round questions. Like. Um, one of them. You is think I'm going to answer in one word? Ah. Well, I know we're, <laughs> though, not, not that speed round, but you know, like I know we're starting to run out of time. I know you haven't eaten today or. I did. I ate a really fat donut. So uh, yeah. that's about it. Oh, um, we had a uh, mass state Senator come on recently. He talked, he has a bill that he wants Michael Moore. And I should say, if I'm going to mention Michael Moore, I just found out he's coming to our party on Sunday night too. Uh, our Young Jurist Cannabis Workers Awards, which we're looking forward to. So I, I, I definitely want to throw that plug in there if we're going to bring him up. But the reason we brought him up is because he has a bill that would have a an audit. It would set up an audit for the Massachusetts Cannabis Control Commission. And I'm, I'm sure you're aware of that. And I'm just wondering, like, where you stand on that. Sure. And, and, and Mike Moore is an old and dear friend. Uh, when I ran for treasurer in 1998 and when I ran for governor in 2002, I think he was uh, one of my regional coordinators. So I've known Mike a long time. He's a good friend. Um, you know, I, I, I understand his frustration. Uh, and, and this is one of the, you know, one of the issues that I've been working on again to sort of reduce uh, the internal red tape to make sure that we're getting answers more quickly and not to get into that particular um, investigation because, you know, I, I don't like to get into the individual cases that, that sort of launched sort of his, um, you know, mo motivated him to, to do this. But, you know, in that particular case, that was another instance where we had MDAR, you know, the agriculture people, you know, who do some of the testing and our people. And, and we actually worked quite nicely with them uh, to make sure that we had closed the gap uh, to make sure that we were getting um, answers faster for people. So, um, you know, so I, I understood his frustration and I definitely understood the frustration um, of the licensees, um, you know, but that being said, you know, I, I, you know, it basically uh, it's having uh, an, an auditor or, or, you know, that, that would be embedded in the, the cannabis commission. Um, and obviously there have been, you know, a number of headlines, you know, whether it was the Lorna Murray, um, you know, incident and um, the commissioners had not been informed of that. Again, I say that, the, you know, one of the reasons that the commissioners were not informed is because we're adjudicators and you don't always run to the judge to, you know, give them the evidence before the case is brought. But we thought all of the commissioners felt that this was so serious that even if, you know, this, um, you know, uh, created an opportunity to over, you know, to overrule, you know, to appeal our decision to, you know, a court, we felt that that was a serious enough uh, incident that we all should have been informed. So we, we agreed with that. You know, there has been, you know, the editorial in the Boston Globe, uh, you know, about a number of different um, uh, issues, you know, whether it was the, uh, the you know, mistaken release of some uh, data, you know, about um, individual agents. So so we've we've hit some bumps in the road and I'm frustrated, too. I mean, I've been here since September. I'm still learning the job, but I'm still trying to get my arms around, you know, one, how do we best deploy 
our public resources. I think we need to be putting more money into our, um, you know, into our inspections in our licensure so that we can make these things happen more quickly. We need to be collaborating more closely with our sister organizations like OSHA, like, um, you know, MDAR. So, you know, I, I support Mike um, in his concern about the cannabis industry. Uh, he was rightly frustrated. I get it. Uh, but my job as the, you know, the, the chair since September is to make sure that I'm working on that internally to make that bill um, unnecessary. That, that's what I'm trying to do. There you go. Um, and uh, as a follow up on that, on Mike Moore, he says he's coming to our Young Jerks Awards show, our Cannabis Workers Awards show that we're doing on Sunday night. You're also nominated for, I'm wondering if you're going to be there. I'm asking a lot for you now. You are asking a lot. And let me tell you, I would join you except the young Devin O'Brien from East Hampton High School has the romantic lead uh, in a play. So I will be in my hometown uh, enjoying my niece uh, who is, uh, she has been an actress since she was two. Uh, so uh, unfortunately, I have a prior commitment that I, I have to go to. And what play is that? What play is she? Do you know? I can picture it. Oh, oh, uh, Once Upon a Mattress. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. She's the lead. She's the lead. Congratulations to she's her. She's the romantic lead, as she likes to tell me, because there oh, are romantic. several leads. Yes. She's the romantic lead. We have another call. Let's, let's, maybe we're taking our chances today because we've had so far two great calls. Let's take this off mute. Uh, please have a great third call. Let's do it a great third call to end the show, maybe. Uh, who who's the caller right now? Uh, hi, Mike. This is Commissioner Kim Roy. How are you tonight? Oh wow, this is a really good call. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm scared. Now I'm scared. <laughs> I got two members no, of the cannabis control commission. Can you, here. Mike, Mike, can you do that thing oh, like you used to have on laughing right and pl- unplugger? <laughs> yes, and we're, and we're not violating open meeting laws if it's just two of us. But Mike, I just I'm calling just to thank you for for inviting the chair on and and uh, thank you for your platform and your advocacy. I know how much work uh, you have done around workplace safety and, and worker safety, and we hear you. Uh, we hear uh, stakeholders, and uh, you know what a fighter and advocate we have in Chair O'Brien, um, and you know along with our fellow commissioners, uh, we are trying to make this. Um, you know, we're trying to improve on this industry. We're at over five years now in adult use. We're at an inflection point. Um, like the chair said, she just came on in September. Um, but we are working every day uh, to make this a more robust, more inclusive, uh, more equitable, uh, safer industry for all. And, uh, you know, I listened to quite a bit of, uh, of Chair O'Brien, and um, I just applaud her because she is tireless uh, in working on behalf of not only um, of the workers of the thousands and thousands of registered agents, but the licensees and those are trying to get in the industry because we know there are barriers to entry. So I'm just calling to say thank you, Mike. Uh, thank you for your platform and thank you for having the chair on tonight. Oh, thank you so much, Kimberly Roy, uh, Cannabis Control Commissioner, the first time caller. I love first time callers. And then when it, you tell <laughs> yeah, me it's, the first time you, I was really excited. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. And so thank, uh, you, thank you, Karen. Great, great job. Great job. Thank you all. Thanks, Commissioner. Have a good night. Yeah, Commissioner Roy is um, uh, Charlie Baker's uh, appointee, and um, you know had worked in the um, uh, the Worcester uh, Sheriff's Department. Uh, and one of the great things that that she has done uh, is work with Commissioner Stebbins. Um, you know, they put together a a curriculum for the registry of motor vehicles. And it was a little bit controversial. You know, some people were saying, you know, this is like too much like dare. And frankly, one of the things that they don't get credit for is actually uh, what they took out of the video uh, to make sure that this was something that one promotes public safety uh, for young people in our streets, but also make sure that they didn't overly politicize uh, or attack the industry. And so I was really proud of the work that Commissioner Stebbins and Roy did, um, not only to, I think, create, you know, something that will be important, um, you know, for kids, you know, taking driver's ed, but also making sure uh, that uh, industry uh, was not uh, villainized uh, in in that process, so so they did a really good job making sure that um, you know that that uh, that that stuff was edited. So I, I was pleased at what they did. Awesome, uh, and I agree with her statements too about you, uh, Chair Commissioner Shannon O'Brien. 
Oh, you're you, nice you, to say that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's just. Uh, and I don't even mind. As I told you, Mike, when I came off, you know, I, I, I don't even mind getting yelled at. You know, um, I, I, I uh, Commissioner Roy. I could uh, yell at you. <laughs> Commissioner Roy. Commissioner Roy ran for um, state Senate. Um, and uh, Commissioner Stebbins ran for he was, I think, a, I can't remember if it was um, a Springfield School Committee or City Council. And um, Commissioner uh, Concepcion ran for City Council. And so. In Boston, so all of us, and I don't think Commissioner Camargo has worked on political campaigns for Deval Patrick, uh, but 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 when you've been in that political realm, um, you know you kind of get used to people yelling at you, uh, and not that you like being yelled at, but it's really important to kind of make yourself available to people. And so this is one of the things um, before you know we came on. This is one of the things that we've all of the commissioners, uh, all of them have been saying we want to get back live. You know we've seen we're now all in the same room, and it's not just behind a screen, uh, but we do want the public to be able to come. You know, we've had to work, you know, it's been three years. And, and honestly, you know, we can see the public discourse right now. And we can see sometimes, you know, that there's, you know, that there is, you know, there are some different flashpoints that have created, you know, some some safety risk. So we're, you know, working with our staff to make sure that we're open to the public. The public will be invited in to our hearings, uh, but we're working, you know, with our public safety officials to make sure that we have crowd control and make sure, but, you know, that's, that's our role is public. We need to be in the building. We need to be answering the phones. We need to be getting back quickly, answering questions. And then the commissioners themselves need to be accessible and answerable to the public. And, you know, that's, that's what we're getting paid for. And that's what we should be doing. Do you know when that's going to be the next meeting, May 11th? So they'll be in person. Will there also still be like Zoom? Like can people still watch? Yes. Home? Yeah. No, they're obviously um, there are persons, you know, um, Disability. telemedicine is here like to me. stay, you know, public <laughs> access via, you know, via Zoom or, or, you know, Teams is here to stay. Um, and one of the other things that we're um, still working on, but this is going to happen, um, we will have a we're, we're, we're going to have a second meeting a month. So we will have our regular meeting. But what we hope to do and, and, and this is, you know, Commissioner Roy was kidding, but. I've never been subject to the open meeting law before, really. Um, you know, when I was a state rep, the legislature is exempt from that. When I was state treasurer, you know, I, you know, we basically were working in our team. I didn't have to collaborate with any colleagues um, down at the pension fund because um, investing pension funds is considered proprietary. Uh, we are able to sort of talk offline. And so we were not subject to open meeting. But what that means is basically only two commissioners can kind of have a conversation about public policy. You know, if I talk to Commissioner Roy, I can't then have the same conversation with Commissioner Concepcion because then that's three and then that's a quorum and then we're violating the open meeting law. So we're hoping that this extra uh, meeting, which may be remote just to sort of save on the wear and tear for the staff, at least initially, where we can actually talk about things. One of the, the things that we hope to uh, raise is um, the issue of social consumption. You know, that's something that we're working on. You know, we have three groups right now uh, responding to uh, the chapter 180 that was passed by the legislature last August, looking at host community agreements, uh, looking at social consumption. And my group is looking at, you know, how do we um, uh, imbue equity into the host community uh, granting process on the municipal level. So we're hoping that that second meeting allows us as commissioners to, in a legal setting, have conversations that we legally can't have. I mean, sometimes you're, oh, what did I say? You know, Commissioner Concepcion is on my writing group for social equity. She's also on the, the host community agreement with Commissioner Roy. So here she is, and she's got to sort of compartmentalize two different conversations. And we were in one of our hearings today, and she's like, oh, wait, oh, I can't, no, I can't say that. You know, and, and, and that's really frustrating. And that also hampers our ability to kind of collaborate and think about things but that's the, the law meetings. that's what we have to abide by so this second meeting will help us i like it and i yeah. think it keeps people you know aware of what's going on too we got another question that just came in uh larry writes will the total thc calculation be standardized across the state so all labs report the same potency values this has become a like a big issue like i, I know that there's been some things going on with the Candace Advisory Board on this 
Do you know where this stands for? What, yeah, you know, on? I can't, Larry, I apologize that I can't specifically uh, answer that question, but I will tell you that um, I'm going to be having a couple of meetings, um, you know, with the um, independent testing labs in the next couple of weeks uh, to kind of hear from them. Uh, we have a great team, um, you know, at uh, at the Cannabis Control Commission. You know, we're, we understand the inconsistency in testing and, and what that means, both as a consumer issue, but also as a, a, a you know, a health issue. Um, so we, we are, you know, I have been asking, you know, about, you know, we've talked about the independent, you know, testing standards lab to set something like that, uh, could cost upwards of $5 million. So we, you know, we've had some discussions about how we can promote in essence, self-policing, you know, is there a, you know, a secret shopper and, and secret shopper is not the right way to call it, but, you know, going in and testing and then publicizing and holding, um, those standards out in a public setting so we know which testing is going to be um, uh, uh, trustworthy. So we're still looking at that, looking at the, the, the testing standards lab, which may or may not be in the cards immediately because of the expense, but how can we um, set better standards? And then also how can we uh, better police this issue? So we're gonna be having those conversations. I am definitely not an expert in this topic, but I'm you know, going to be meeting and trying to get better acquainted. But Larry, this is something that we will be looking at in the regs. Um, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll be uh, coming up with some uh, solutions or some suggestions uh, in the not too distant future. Uh, that was a question from YouTube. And now on Facebook, Ed D'Souza is uh, saying testing reflects less than you know, 0.001% of the 15 pound legal batch because you know, different parts of the same plant will test differently is his point. He also says, uh, uh, there's another good comment that I want to bring up. He said, you need to also speak to the operators, not just the labs, which I think is a good point because they know all the games that are being played. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, no, I understand that. I understand that. So, so this is, this is something, um, this is actually something that commissioner Roy, um, is working on a great deal. Um, and she and I are, are, are going to be tag teaming, um, in a couple of different meetings. So she's, she's deeper into this than I am. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm in the process of getting, um, better equipped to understand what some of the, the solutions could be. So again, I hate not having an answer, but I don't want to, um, give an answer if I don't uh, have one that's solid and one that I can stand behind. Another comment I want to bring up. This is mm -hmm. a great comment from someone I really like and respect a lot. He's doing, they're doing a lot of organizing around the worker issue. Danny Carson uh, was a co-worker of Lorna I Danny has reached out to me. Yes. So I've, he, I've heard from Danny. He's uh, Danny has written. Uh, Thank you for being a voice for the workers. Please don't let up. We need the commission to hold businesses accountable for their employers, health and safety. So Danny's. I, I want to thank Danny. Danny wrote me a very nice note uh, a number of uh, a couple months ago. I appreciated that. Um, again, Danny, um, you know, working, you know, obviously this doesn't, none of this stuff happens fast enough. Um, but I think that we are, you know, seeing some, some movement and trying to put in place some systems uh, in, and um, th that we can, you know, not only make employees um, safer, but we, but the commission can work more efficiently to, to make that happen. So Danny, thanks for your work again. I'm sorry for your loss uh, because I know that, that you, you were friends uh, with, with Lorna. So um, anyway, th thank you, Danny, for that, for that comment. And also Ed says, we are thankful you are willing to look into things. We watched for a long time. Our concerns were ignored. And, and that's the way I feel too. Like, it's like, I think on multiple issues here, I think anyone listening, you know, I'm I, thankful me, for you. Just, this, is, this is not defensive. Okay. And this is very hard because when you think about what this group did, okay, it's go set ready, right? The, the, the voters passed, you know, the, 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 the recreational cannabis, and then the legislature, you know, made some significant changes and then said, go do it. It was literally in a matter of months that, you know, and frankly, you know, the, the original commissioners, Jen Flanagan, you know, Britta, you know, um, Cade, you know, and um, uh, Shalene Title, um, and, um, you know, Commissioner Hoffman and Sean Collins, it was literally they had to stand this industry up, you know, with a dozen people. And so 
I, I liken it to, and, and, and people sort of talked about this, you know, about the big dig is that the big dig was happening in Boston yet traffic kept flowing. And, and that's exactly here. They called it open heart surgery while the patient is awake. And, and so, you know, we're five years in, you know, and we've built this vehicle and, you know, maybe the headlight is over here and, you know, maybe the bumper is up on the roof, you know, they put it together and it goes and it goes pretty well, but maybe we need to be making some of those adjustments. And this is the sort of five year inflection point. You know, I've, I've worked, I've been an unsuccessful tech entrepreneur and an unsuccessful uh, uh, cannabis entrepreneur, both of, you know, which standing up, you know, needing a lot of money and making things happen. But five years in tends to be that kind of point, you know, in a, in a startup company, five years in you're everybody's working, you're all in the same room and, 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 and you're trying to stand up this business and then you have to figure out what is maintenance. How do we sort of look at, you know, we're not crazy. We're not just trying to get stuff done to meet crazy deadlines. But how do we look at where we are? How do we make it better? And that word that I used earlier, how do we have better impact with the resources that we do have? So um, so it's not to say I think that people were ignored, but I think that sometimes we just got to put our head down and get this stuff done. And we may or may not have enough people to do it. And right now, what I'd like to do is make sure that the people and resources we have are going to those areas uh, of our impact uh, that mean the most and, and, and can help the most people and, and, and promote public safety and promote the industry. Because, by the way, one of the things we didn't talk about is, you know, business is closing. And, and we're going to have to, you know, deal with that. You know, I, I don't have an answer now and, and we're sort of getting to the end of the hour. So I, I, I and as I told you, I got to go drive go. back home you now. Go. I, I, you know what? That was exactly the last thing I like was going to like ask even, but I, I wasn't planning on it, but it's glad you brought it up. Cause like, I mean, we're looking at the numbers. They're losing billions. These companies, mm -hmm. the largest companies, the cannabis industry is so expensive. Either, even the, large publicly traded companies can't afford it um like long term do you guys have plans on like no we don't have long term yeah. plans. how are you going to address but, that shit no like but, but i think that there are some short-term things um and and hopefully in the next couple of month or so we'll be able to announce you know um especially uh you know looking at the um and again i don't have any answer but um looking at the issue of um certificate of good standing you know you have some businesses that are behind on their taxes i also think that this is a training issue because you kind of should be paying your taxes all along and if you haven't been paying your taxes it means that you haven't necessarily been you know um, managing things as 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 tightly as you should so maybe there's some training there but i do think that we need to be trying to figure out ways you know when a company doesn't have an opportunity to file bankruptcy right how do we help those businesses you know that are sort of in extremists but also what are those regulations that have been in place for five years? You know, and, I, and, I, and I've said this to you, Mike, we are not regulating Ebola. We are regulating right. legal cannabis. So what should we be doing to streamline our regulations to make sure that we are reducing the burden on businesses? You know, I, I have, you know, someone suggested to me, and I think it's a great idea, you know, we have to have our camera, you know, you're supposed to keep your uh, uh, film, your footage, uh, right. you know, for 90 days. The delivery. Can we reduce that to 60 days? Could we maybe save a business on cloud storage cost a few grand a month? Maybe that could pay your taxes, maybe not, but it could help. Those are some of the things that we should be examining right now um, to reduce some of the overhead burden on businesses so that they can survive, you know, and, and continue to thrive. Thank you so much for being on tonight. Uh, Chair Shannon O'Brien, last comment that I'm going to read uh, from a Facebook user. They said, uh, it's exciting that the new cannabis control commission is opening to listening to the market. We appreciate you, Mike, for continuing to be an advocate and sharing your platform. I want to thank everyone for listening. The phone calls that we got tonight from Ed, uh, from, Oh, I forgot a couple names already. Well, David, called? Ed, David, and Kim. <laughs> Thank you. See, I, I never got my paper out to write it down like I usually do. And, and Shannon O'Brien's on on top of everything. You I, you've host you must have been a host at one point. I, I have a feeling. I did. I um I used to uh, uh, on WHYN radio. Uh, Dan York, uh, he was the sort of Howie Carr of the West. So every once in a while, <laughs> either I or Brian Lee's and I, the former state senator, we would. Uh, we would host out on WHYN and then I would get really yelled at. So this was much awesome. better. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for spending time with us tonight and uh, answering all the calls and the, and the feedback from 
our listeners. This was great. Good night. Thank you. Good night. That's Shannon O'Brien. We hope. And I guess the last question, will you come back on the show? I will come back and um, I, I look forward to uh, hopefully uh, making some additional progress that we can report when I come back. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank for you. Being Thanks, here tonight. Mike, it. Thanks to your uh, listeners, viewers. Awesome. That's uh, Cannabis Control uh, Commission Chair Shannon O'Brien, who spent uh, almost an hour with us. That was actually it was actually one hour, exactly one hour. Great. And I just want to uh, mention a lot is going on right now uh, in the Cannabis Control Commission, obviously, which we just discussed, but also in the worker safety front. There's been uh, quite a few news stories. Boston Globe, Mass Live, WBUR just put out stories. There's also a front uh, cover edition that is out right now from the nation about Mona McMurray. So there's a lot going on in the media related to worker safety. Uh, Mass Kosh and National uh, Kosh. I just love these two groups. I want to thank them so much for what they're doing uh, for the worker uh, safety issue. And I also want to mention that we have our big event coming up this Sunday night at uh, the Rockwell. It's the Young Jerks Cannabis Workers Awards. We're expecting a special night. I know that Danny Carson's going to be there uh, with his wife. We're lo really looking forward to that. Uh, as well as Mass State Senator Michael Moore, it looks like, is also uh, RSVP and Ed D'Souza from River Run Gardens. And we're going to have a great night. I hope to see you all there. I'm really looking forward to this. I'll see you all hopefully Sunday night. Uh, if you need tickets, just hit us up and, and we'll we'll send you the link. Uh, you can find it on social media, too. We put it all out there. Uh, we hope to see everyone Sunday night. Young Jerks Cannabis Workers Awards, the Rockwell Somerville Davis Square, uh, Somerville Mass. I want to thank everyone tonight, uh, the callers that we had, the instant feedback, and especially the commissioners, two commissioners, Kimberly Roy and uh, Shannon O'Brien. That was great tonight. Uh, really happy about it. And I know that we're going to have a bunch more shows upcoming in the next few weeks. So stick around. If you haven't liked us, followed us, subscribed to us, please do so wherever you're listening tonight, Facebook, YouTube, make sure you're, you know, coming back and checking us out on the next show. Young Jerks, we'll see you next time. Mike Crawford, thank you so much for listening and supporting the show.